If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the international audience all around the world and anywhere else in the universe who may have caught this signal, this is Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. I am your host, Larry Charles, and of course, I had to bring him back because he's under contract, my best friend, Mr. Brandon Pham. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to this week's episode. Today, we have three special guests. Uh, we have Daniel Duan, Raghav Mathor, and Thomas Espinoza. How are you guys doing? Great, hey. feel good that you got my name right this time. So happy about that. What did you do this time? We tried. just met. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's I, cool. So, uh, go ahead. You, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't think you quite got Daniel's. Daniel, it's is it Doan or Doan? Uh, it's it's Doan, Doan, both. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever you're saying. Like. <laughs> you're gonna be known as Dan in this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. For simplicity, just D R and T. There you go. <laughs> so uh what's great about this episode uh these guys are representing uh black shell media Woo! so uh how about a little background on what you guys do uh as far as the company and everything uh sure so how, i've got one quick question are you gonna like specify which one of us three is gonna talk because all three of us are like total yeah. blabbermouths and at some <laughs> point like you're gonna get all three of us talking then oh no you go ahead no you go ahead so <laughs> I- <Rega. laughs> I'll, I'll name you guys one first name basis then Okay, sounds, uh, sounds good. That'll keep Thomas under check, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, now I want to hear from Thomas. <laughs> so, uh, Ragoff, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Black Shell Media and what you guys do? Absolutely. So we started off initially as Black Shell Games, which is kind of just solely a development studio. Daniel over here um, was developing Sanctuary RPG, which is kind of currently our flagship title, our biggest uh, top seller and the one that we're usually known for. He was developing it kind of part-time about... Daniel, what, three years ago or so, right? Almost three and a half years ago? Yeah. Yeah, around three and a half years ago, September 2012, that would be. Um, he was kind of developing it as a solo project, working with some people on Reddit, doing a little, a little bit of promotion himself, and eventually got to the point where he needed kind of a marketing partner to help, you know, set up a Facebook page, Twitter feed, things like that. Mm-hmm. So he put out a kind of an open casting call of sorts on a Reddit on r slash for hire, I believe. And he was just saying, hey, looking for a marketing partner to help promote the, you know, my indie game on social media. I responded to it, met him through Reddit. We hit it off kind of pretty quickly, and I started working as just initially the social media manager for Sanctuary with a team of maybe eight to ten other just volunteers. Mm-hmm. Over time, you know, volunteer work, people aren't very motivated, no money's coming out of the project. People started to drop off, but I, I mean, I was just bored, I had nothing to do, so I kind of stuck <laughs> on, I was like, what the hell, I'll just you know, market this game in my spare time. Yeah. And eventually got to the point where, you know, I got pretty close to Daniel, we started kind of getting more involved in Sanctuary and got it out there. Uh, we eventually signed with, the, with excuse me, we signed with a distributor, got it on Steam. Um, and by that point, we, you know, Daniel and I kind of were full-on partners. We incorporated the company and everything, Blackshell Media LLC. Uh, that was a whole process in and of itself, but yeah. <laughs> uh, incorporated. 
launched Sanctuary RPG on Steam with the help of our distributor. It did pretty well. Uh, we, in that time, we started working on a second project called Overture, launched that on Steam as well. We actually launched that on Kickstarter and Greenlight on January 1st, 2015. So, you know, New Year's Eve 2014, I was like frantically on my computer making sure it was all good to go. Wake up, hit launch. We got Greenlit in just a week, which is kind of freaking yeah, amazing, especially yeah, for the time. Yeah. Like, most people were on Greenlit nice. for a couple weeks, at least a month. Thank you. Yeah, so we got Greenlit in a week. We got kickstarted within... Um, that's the verb, right? Kickstarted, funded, sure. whatever. It works. <laughs> kickstarted sounds cooler. We got kickstarted within three weeks, I think, and we go. We went over by um, 150 percent of our goal, oh, and that's when we kind of realized, like, wow, you know, we're 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 pretty good at this marketing thing. Um, and we, you know, in our time doing the development thing, we realized there's hundreds, if not thousands, of other indie games out there that are making sometimes an awesome product, but they have no idea how to distribute it, how to get it out to the masses, how to do branding strategy, social media, things like that. And we do. So we started kind of, you know, slowly reaching out to developers, just kind of games that we liked, games that we saw on Reddit, whatever it may be, saying, hey, would you like to, you know, work with us to market the game? Or just kind of initially it was just, you know, can we sit down and talk about what you're doing and how we can maybe help? Mm -hmm. Then eventually became here, sign this contract, let's publish your game and do the marketing, the distribution, the social media, the branding. And, you know, one year later, like we we uh, January 1st, we launched our second game. So we had two games live. Uh, January 1st of this year, we had 44 games live on Steam. We just launched five more last Friday, the, uh, what would that be, the 14th, 15th, I think. Um, so it's, <laughs> I guess you could say we grew qu- pretty quickly, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, 49 games right now on Steam in just under a year, or just about a year, with 15 more or so waiting in Steam to go live, and maybe another 10 to 15 more on Greenlight. So we're coming up on 100 games in total. Uh, very proud of all the progress that we've made. You know, Daniel and I have worked with a lot of different collaborators, Thomas included and stuff. Um, we've been kind of trying to cover all our bases, social media, branding, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever it may be, trying to get all over the place. And we're trying to figure out what works. And I'm pretty happy with the, the results thus far. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the results. <laughs> and I'm just not hearing about it. That's pretty damn good, <laughs> Congratulations. man. Congratulations. That's incredible to you and your entire team. Thank you. Thank so you. my yeah. next question is, how can you help me get rich? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, are we talking getting rich or are we talking No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, okay, let me rephrase. Help me, help me. <laughs> yeah, so, you can help me with the first one, definitely let me know, please. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Uh, this question is specifically for Daniel. Before meeting Regov and you throw this open invitation out on Reddit, you must have gotten some comical entries. You must have gotten some legit ones. What was it about this candidate that said, you know what, I'm going to give this guy the shot? It could have, was it just the profile picture, or what are we talking about? It's, it's a, a superhero. It's a nice name. profile it's picture. Beard. It's all the beard. Let's see. Tied everything. Um, let's see. So, so as far as, like, I guess uh, people reaching out to me, surprisingly, Raghav was um, the only applicant that actually spoke really good English. So I was like, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> By default. <laughs> By default. Yeah. No, I understand kidding. what you're pitching. <laughs> well, that goes a long way because I'm not going to lie, man. I've worked with a lot of students, and they turn in their homework assignments for game design documents. And I'm just sitting there like, did you even have an English class in your life? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's mind-blowing. You meet like full-grown adults that we're working with you know, trying to run Twitter campaigns, press release campaigns. And they come in like they're speaking eighth grade English, and it's like, wow, you know. Yeah. But I mean, that's you know, that's where we come in, I guess. Cause, exactly. I mean, it is good, you know, because a lot of them are you know based out of the U.S. I think around half the games that we're publishing are non-U.S. developers that sometimes have trouble with English, mm-hmm. but they have this you know awesome game that we want to get out to the masses. So mm-hmm. you know, Thomas especially works closely with them to kind of 
work out some of the kinks in terms of sometimes, you know, ideas don't get communicated. And one big problem sometimes is in tutorials or instructional sections of the game, sometimes if you're trying to communicate how to play the game, it's hard to do that if you can't do it visually successfully mm-hmm. and if you can't communicate it well in English. So, so you know, Thomas actually... As a background in game design, he's been doing it for six years or so, I think, now. So he helps a lot with that. But I also do a lot of the writing and stuff, you know, copywriting, press mm-hmm. releases, uh, Facebook posts, things like that. A lot of content marketing goes on. So it's it's kind of a, it's a process, as I'm sure you know, you know, with putting the game out there, putting it on all the channels, making sure people can understand what it is you're putting out there, yeah. and then following up, making sure people are still happy with it and such. So, uh, Thomas, like, uh, I have a question for you. Like, uh, yeah, no problem. During this whole timeline, when do you actually... Uh, come into the fold and in your role over at black media black huh. yeah that's actually kind of interesting because i i mean my i've known daniel since our university days right like freshman year i enroll uh and like i think daniel was already in his like junior senior year like way back right and so i'm this fresh you know fresh faced little kid and i think like the first time we met each other it was kind of awkward because i'm like so do you have any hobbies or interests and i think daniel's response was like no, right? Like I was trying to make, I was trying to make conversation. Yeah, basically, I'm trying to make conversation. I got shut down, right? Yeah. Uh, but we worked at the same place. We did IT, and we would just talk because we worked night shift, and, and no work got done on the night shift. So we would talk, and you know, he was making his game Sanctuary, uh, and so through that, we just we kept talking and talking and talking, uh, and I, you know, back then we would talk about design and that was one of those things where I already had a background since even before then and during then where I had been writing for like numerous sites uh, and eventually uh, Daniel pulled me in not for Black Shell but for another side project of his he was doing in terms of well podcasting actually uh, oh, wow. and uh, more writing but eventually uh, he pulled me aside and he said hey listen like I know you're really good with design and I know you've helped me out a lot with Sanctuary uh, we have this current gig going on where, you know, we're getting in some games that, and some of them, uh, you know, they, it would be of use to have you look through them and try and help spruce them up, right? Because the games we receive are generally very good, but sometimes, like, design, what a lot of people don't realize is design is definitely, like, it's a skill on its own, right? There's programming, there's art, and there's design. And a lot of the time, uh, programmers or artists think they automatically know design, Right. Uh, and it's not a bad thing preach, if you don't preach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to shut up. <laughs> shut this down. This is going too long. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, no, like Larry, Larry has a design background. I'm in the art background. So we sometimes have a clash between what's more important. But uh, <laughs> obviously, design as a game is the most important role, and everybody, even programmers, respect that. So it's great to hear that. I mean, with your background and everything, you're able to help at least. Like a lot of these indie developers, uh, to brush, brush it up, I feel like a lot of that, just that, that, that mentorship, that, that helping along their project mm-hmm. is very necessary at the early stages. And so. We try and keep it, I mean, we call it the publishing family, right? So the idea is once I do a consultation, it's a back and forth thing. If they have any questions or if they still have any more issues, you know, in a couple of months I come back and I say, hey, let's continue working with this, right? Uh, so it's definitely one of those things where we're with them like every step of the way in terms of design and marketing and everything else. Oh, that's wonderful. There's a lot of uh, publishers who think they are designers and they just go about telling people what to do. But it actually sounds like you guys are giving feedback. You're working together. It's a collaborative instead of a mandatory. So you guys already get a thumbs up from the Game Dev Unchained podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, there there are definitely many times where, you know, I'll give feedback. 
uh, and then we'll see no changes, right? Uh. And that's fine. You know, that's that's the developer's choice. Uh, but you know, it, every developer is different. So, right. so because yeah, one one thing that we actually sorry, I just want to kind of chime in a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I'm like I work most of the sales stuff, and I'm pretty much of a sales background. So I'm going to chime in a lot with kind of what sounds like a self plug, but I'm actually just kind of talking about what we do. So bear with me. Um, one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on in doing our publishing deals especially is we always say your game is your game. Like you're mentioning a lot of publishers come in and say, oh, you know, we you sign a contract and there'll be fine print that we own all your IP, all your code, all your art. You have to do anything we say or we're going to drop your contract, cut your funding, whatever it is. With us, it's, you know, you're making this game. Keep making the game. You're going to make games. We're good at marketing, so we'll do the marketing. It's kind of a it's a partnership, right? Wow. You know, we're in it with them. Uh, we're doing the marketing. We're doing the kind of production side of things. They're doing the development, the design, things like that for the most part. Now, that's not saying that we have you know we have resources like Thomas for game design. We have resources in terms of QA things like that that we can help them with. But at the end of the day, we're not going to you know put a gun to their head and say implement this feature into the game because a lot of the developers that we work with and what we found over the course of the last three years is. People are doing this as kind of a hobby. They're not doing this to make a commercially successful product. We obviously, you know, we, we want to make sure our games get commercial success, but we do want to keep the soul of the game in there. And I think that's one thing that Thomas likes to talk about a lot is that when you start making changes for somebody else, when you start making changes for the market or for what's trendy or what's popular at the time, it can really kind of lose the value of the game. Like one thing that Daniel always talks about when developing Sanctuary was that he never kind of thought, will the market like this? Will the market receive this well? Will I make money off of this? Because if he wanted to make money off of it, why would he make a game that was popular 20 years ago in 2015? You know, he's making Sanctuary RPG, for those who don't know, is a full ASCII title with like, I don't know how many hundreds if not thousands of pieces of artwork all in ASCII. The whole game is fully almost command line based. Oh, and wow. obviously, you know, you'd be you'd think, wow, what the heck? That has no commercial success at all. But we've been featured in the Humble Bundle. We've been on the you know front page of Reddit a bunch of times. People love it because they can really see the soul of the game because Daniel, you know, he, I mean, Daniel, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the, I, I feel kind of weird to, I'm like, oh, Daniel's so passionate and this and that and he's sitting right here like, oh yeah, thanks bro, I know. Daniel's like, yes. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> but like, Daniel, like, you started this project, uh, at what university did you guys uh, meet up, Thomas and Dan? Uh, Cal State Bakersfield. Cal State Bakersfield. So at Cal State Bakersfield, you were working on this project. Um, and was it a student project, or were you always intending to go ahead and, and release this as a as a commercial product? So okay, so so I was uh, I was wrapping up my uh, degree in psychology, and for some strange reason, I, I decided to take a programming class. Yeah. Um, I was I was always um, intimidated by programming because I was like, oh well, I'm terrible at math, like. You know, like I've I've always heard that you had to be good at math to to be a programmer. So then I was like, hmm, I guess I'll just take this programming class to like see if I'll like it. Um, I ended up really loving it. I uh, um, after the first day, um, I actually stopped going to class and um, start working and I um, started working on on Sanctuary to uh, I guess uh, te te uh, teach myself faster because the professor was like going way too too slow for me. And, um, oh, oh, after the first day, <laughs> I actually ended up. Uh, only going back to class for the midterm and and the final and uh and um, i ended up getting a, uh, like an a plus in that class so i was like i was like yeah. i i never knew that i really liked programming until i like took that class and then ever right. since i was i was hooked and um to um, answer your question it was it was never like a, i wanted to make money off of it it was just more like wow like i am in love with with programming <laughs> yeah and you 
can actually see that in a lot of, of like the black shell, like the in, like some of the software we use is actually developed. Like a lot of it is developed by Daniel or myself, right? Like currently, we both have this project where we're building this database from scratch. Uh, just him and I both working on programming this thing. Uh, so it's definitely not just games. Uh, well, I guess once again, I feel like Ragov, where Daniel loves all types of programming, but you know he's right here. So yes, <laughs> this this is true. <laughs> Oh, well, awesome. Dan, yeah, I mean, Dan, you're you're doing something very inspiring. Like, I've always had this conversation with Larry. We're at a period where indie development isn't such a fantasy anymore. Like, if you want to really do it, there are resources available that you can do it uh, everywhere. Right? You can learn on your own. You can you can release things. Uh, maybe not as successfully working with you guys, of course, but like you're able to do from A to Z uh, with really low walls uh barriers of entry yeah yeah like levels of entry it's a lot easier now but like going from school to to practically you know forming your own company working on indie games is i feel like a very familiar road down the future like people will more and more students will will jump into game development not through the triple a track which is where larry and i are traditionally uh going through but more if they want to have if they have an idea, they can work on it right away. And uh, if they have the right resources, of course, you know they can be somewhat successful with it. I, I really admire what you did, man. Like I I'm starting to hear more and more stories like that, and it's really inspiring to hear how people can still maintain their passion of game development without being burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely quite a challenge to um, keep yourself motivated. Um, I guess I uh, since since I come from a cycle. Uh, a background in psychology, I kind of used my experience with that that subject to like try to keep keep myself motivated because like sometimes it's like really hard to like keep going when like you let's say uh, there's this like bug that that you know takes maybe a couple days to like try to figure out like it's like how do I motivate myself to actually get rid of that bug and keep going you know sometimes you just want to give up. <laughs> well, you're you're touching on a very important subject. So a lot of our listeners and a lot of issues that a developer might be having at their current job is that they work full time. Right on on you know games, but at a certain point, right they want to work on their personal stuff, and it's just that after those eight hours, ten hours, and if you have family, and then finally when you're sitting at in front of your computer, it's 10 p.m. and it's either sleep or work on your stuff. I mean, what kind of tidbits with your background in psychology that you see is like like this is what you should should do which helped me like is, is there any info on that that you can give us i i personally think that it's more about i guess building good habits and um setting up your personal workspace and environment to like be conducive to those habits let's say that you really want to to like work on your project af after work well you know try to figure out like a way where you 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 know set set yourself up for for success so 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 maybe like um, mute mute your uh, phone you know like um ba uh, basically make it as easy for you or as as easy as possible for you to get work done without being distracted mm -hmm. and then once you keep at it for like maybe a couple days turn that into a week turn that into two weeks and then pretty soon um um if you don't work on your 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 game you'll feel weird because you know working has become such a habit for you that it's like you know like kind of compulsive like that's that's how i personally feel sometimes it's like i'm compelled to like you know do this do that because i've 
instill those those positive habits. Gotcha. One thing, if you don't want me to chime in real quick, I've talked to you know a lot of developers, and I do this uh, personally as well. I feel like one thing that you guys are touching on is you know you go to work the nine to five, whatever it is, get home, spend time with your family, eat, do things like that, and then it's kind of you know quote unquote like free time or work on your game time, and it's kind of just vaguely defined that oh I can now work on my game, you know I can squash bugs, design, do art, music, whatever it is. It's not very kind of you know, when you're when you're at your job nine to five, you have a clear set of things to do. You know, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. You have actionables, you have deliverables that you have to give to your boss. But when you're your own boss, sometimes it can feel like daunting. It's I have so many things I could be doing right now. Mm-hmm. What should I do? One thing that I think works for a lot of people, and again, I'm sure Daniel can uh, comment on the psychological validity validity of this, is kind of once you figure out um, your own pace, the pace at which you work, and kind of the the style with which you work. Um, one thing that I found helps a lot, and we actually do it uh, company-wide, uh, is we use a software called Trello. Big shout-out to Trello. Fantastic software. It's a to-do list software where you can have different lists for different categories. And what we like to do is kind of on a daily basis list out, this is what I'm going to accomplish today. I know Daniel, actually, if you want to talk about that in a second, you, ha- you keep a very meticulous list of I'm going to do these things in this aspect today and these things in this aspect today. And he updates it every day with what tasks he can do. So. If one day you know that you have a dentist appointment, you know, put less things on the list. Or if one day you know that you have like a particularly nasty bug to squash, make that the only thing you do so that you kind of have a very set list of this is what I'm going to accomplish today. And because you know yourself and you've kind of planned that out, at least hopefully, based on your work style, you're more likely to get that accomplished. Whereas if it's just kind of, oh, I worked on my game for three hours today. Like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything like, oh, I've been working for X hours. But if you can say, I fixed this bug, I implemented this feature, I made this artwork complete, you feel a lot more accomplished having things actually done rather than just work being done, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 kind of like uh, video games. You know, people like video games because they they uh, they get a sense of like progression but but at, uh, but at the same time sometimes you know it turns into like this addictive habit of theirs so it's like kind of like both like progression and and habit where it's like um you know you're you're ranking up you're leveling up and then once you do that every day it turns to a habit so it's yeah so it's like both i guess uh um, um if you want to get stuff done you gotta turn it um into something that rewards you so like kind of like ragov you know was was saying about trello you know um you you put things on a list and then you check them off, and and then the next day you're like, wow, like yesterday I accomplished you know X, Y, and Z. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, I often hear about uh, when you're trying to motivate or create new habits too, and maybe you can comment on this, is that to always create some kind of uh, not, I guess, slight punishment, right? If you don't accomplish a certain goal, uh, I, I know there's a bunch of websites out there that is set up where. Uh, if you don't meet your goals by the end of the week, you have to pay this much to the charity that you hate or something as a way to <laughs> as a way to motivate. I mean, is that something that you guys used at all or uh, heard about or, or anything? Um, the, the psychological theory is called loss aversion, and uh, I, I personally don't use it, but uh, Raghav or, uh, or Thomas? I don't either. I find it can be kind of demotivating because it's like if you, you know, suppose you have a particularly bad week or in this example work, you know, your day job is being pretty... Uh, you're in a tough spot or something, you have to work overtime. If things like that start to pile up, especially if you're talking about a daily basis, and you go back on Sunday and think, oh, shit, I missed these 25 things this week, it can be kind of, you know, I think one thing with the to-do list also, Daniel was talking about checking things off. If you leave things unchecked and say, look what you forgot to do yesterday, look what you couldn't get to, it can be kind of daunting because then things just kind of pile up in the back end. Whereas if you keep it kind of fluid and, you know, anything you don't accomplish today, instead of saying, I didn't accomplish it today, just say, that's okay, I'll do it tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and keep it moving forward as opposed to looking back too much. I feel like that's what kind of is... uh, can be demotivating to people when they look at kind of failures or things that happen when they look at regrets 
Um, whereas if you just look back and say, look at all, all this stuff I've done so far, how can I give up now? You feel kind of better about it. Whereas if you look back and say, oh, I only did half what I wanted to do anyway, I guess I could give up. When you get to that point, it kind of feels a little better. Thomas, w- would you agree? Well- well, I guess, like, the way I would look at it is look at, a, like, an MMO like World of Warcraft, right? And then, you know, you have your dailies and you have your weeklies and you have all this stuff that the game wants you to do and wants you to make a habit out of. And, of course, uh, the game rewards you for doing these things. The game doesn't go, okay, well, since you didn't do your weekly, I'm going to take one gold or one platinum away from you or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, because that's, that's not as effective. Um, because, like, one of the, I mean, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this term in terms of, like, game design is, like, the Skinner's box, right? Is you kind of give... It's that reward system, right? Uh, and it's all about setting up that reward system of, okay, you know, I got something done, uh, and then I'm going to keep going because, hey, there's more stuff in it. I guess it's it's not quite Skinner's box in terms of, like, when we're talking about getting stuff done because that's not random and that's not, like, gambling, right? But it's that same idea is that a reward is such a much better motivator than a punishment. So that's yeah. why, you know, games use... Uh, like applying the logic to games, gamifying your own life can be very, very effective. Uh, so, you know, if you want to get work done, then look at an MMO and then structure it like an MMO is what I can say, because those games are built around getting you to do specific things that you might not even like necessarily. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I'm more of a give myself a cupcake if I do my 50 push-ups kind of guy, more so than <laughs> don't allow myself to go to the movies if I didn't do such and such. I, I definitely like the positive aspects of receiving something more than I do uh, enjoy the punishment of losing something. So I agree. Yeah, I think Thomas was saying you know positives work better than negative. I think one interesting analogy I like to give with this um, you know for this situation is if you go to a concert and you see an artist performing and they're singing you know for half an hour whatever it is and it's all beautiful and amazing, and then halfway through on one song they miss like one or two notes at one point you know they they hit a high they miss a high note or something they keep going it's all perfect. When the concert ends, are people going to say wow that was twenty eight minutes of fantastic music or are they going to say wow look at those two notes that that, that they missed you know and especially as the artist you think more about the negative stand out more in your mind, especially in something like game development where it's easy to make a lot of progress and there are little things that can kind of blow up. So like Daniel was talking about, little bugs that can kind of, you can get hung up on that. And when you are developing something, at least, you know, I'm not too much of a developer myself um, or I'm not a developer at all. What am I talking about? (laughs) So I can't comment on this kind of from that point of view, but at least for me personally, if I accomplish 10 things but mess up on one thing, I dwell more on the one thing that I messed up on rather than the the 10 things that I did accomplish. So I think Thomas is definitely right. Having like positives gives a much better feedback loop than negatives. All right, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. If you have a, if you want to jump in, go ahead. Sure. Okay. So, so I, um, I just want to add that, um, uh, like a long time ago, uh, Blizzard developers of World of Warcraft implemented this this feature. Um, I, I think it was like, um, if you played too much, your character would like gain less experience or something, mm. and and um, players really really hated it. So um, the the uh, the game designers over there were like, hmm, um, how can we fix this? So they they changed it so that the the uh, mechanics were like exactly the, the same. The same, but um, it was it was like flipped so that it was it was worded so that um, if if you like played less, you would you wouldn't you wouldn't like lose, you know, or like 
Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but like I, I think rest I think experience. I might be able to to take yeah it. yeah it's sure, it's sure. like a rest system because the rest systems uh, can be found in almost any game right and it's wording it from okay well you're losing experience if you play too much to oh if you don't play as much then you're gaining experience right because they they worded it as it's an experience boost versus an experience loss right mm-hmm. so it's like if you rest at like an inn, right? And then you come back, then it's like, oh, hey, look, for this next level, you have plus 50% experience. And wording it as a plus 50% when technically, like when you think about it, that plus 50% should be the norm. And after that is technically like a negative 50%, right? So it's just like, is the glass half empty or half full? And that's, yeah, that changes everything. It's brilliant. It's, I like to call that spin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And only Brandon will laugh, but... (laughs) Yeah. Oh man! So if I'm a uh, an independent game developer, I've got this great polished game. Kind of bringing it back to, I, I guess, the topic of the episode here. I've got this great game. I believe in it. I come to you guys. You know, where, what's I guess the first thing you would suggest on being an independent developer who's going to look for a marketing partnership? What are some things that I can do to prepare myself for opening that uh, door of opportunity? Uh, uh Thomas, go ahead. Okay, go, well, do you want to take care of it first, or? Sure, I can just comment. I think the one thing that's most important is, you, you said it exactly, Larry, a marketing partner. This is not a company you're hiring. When you have someone publish your game, it's a partnership, whether you think about it that way or not. It's not that you're paying somebody a retainer or whatever it is. If someone's your marketing partner, they're a part of your team. That's it. They're you know receiving equity for your project. They have... It's not explicit, you know. Obviously, on paper, they don't own any of the IP, but they're a part of that. You know, it was your baby. Now it's our baby, so to yeah. speak. You have to actually think of it as a partnership. And the number one thing that you want to do with a partnership is obviously never partner with someone you don't like. So I think definitely when you um, look at a marketing uh, for a marketing partner, a publishing partner, a distribution partner, whatever it is, a lot of people will say, "Oh, go look at their track record. What games have they successfully put out there? Go look at their credentials. You know, where they go to school. What kind of qualifications do they have?" I say that doesn't matter. I've seen you know 14-year-old game developers put out the most fantastic product ever, and I've seen 40-year-old game developers flop miserably. But what's important, I think, is character, especially when you're talking about things like marketing and PR. You want somebody who understands you, who understands what you need, and who understands your situation, and whom you feel comfortable talking to and opening up to. You know, if there's a snag in development, and your publisher is this mean, scary type of person, what are you going to do? You're going to stay up all night trying to fix it, and you're going to sacrifice things to make them happy. But if it's like, you know, if it's like, if you're, if you're bros with your publisher, to put it colloquially, <laughs> if you're very friendly with your publisher, you can just let them know, hey, Raghav, you know, I'm not feeling so great. Do you mind if I, like, push this back a little bit? Or can we delay launch for a week? I'm not so comfortable with this. And they'll understand you and you feel comfortable doing that. And actually, one of the things that we try to always ensure and one of the things that we always follow up on with all of our distribution partners is, do you feel comfortable opening up to us and telling us if there are any problems? Because we don't, like, the last thing on our minds is trying to be this scary, you know, get this done at this time. Like you were talking about, a lot of develop- publishers think they're designers and try to take over the project. No. We want to be your friend. We don't want to be your um, your company, if that makes sense. Like, we don't want to be the company you're hiring. We want to be the studio you're partnering with. Kind of just a more friendly spin on it. So I think regardless of – I mean obviously I'm not, I'm not saying you know hire like an eight-year-old out of like Lafayette Elementary with this, as a qualification. <laughs> obviously look for people with you know a track record of good games and developers that are happy with the product. I think one thing that we like to show off a lot on our website is kind of testimonials and things that our development partners have said about us because mm-hmm. I feel like that builds a lot of reassurance. And when I'm looking for you know companies to work with personally or professionally, I like to look for testimonials too. I like to see how are other people relating to these guys and how can I better relate to them because that, that'll usually give a pretty good um, 
a pretty good indication of kind of how it'll work for you. I mean, it's not always accurate. Like actually just uh, yesterday, I think I went to a dentist that had really high ratings and people said, oh, he's so friendly, he's so nice and so lovely. And I was, you know, going into it with pretty high expectations. And this dude is like the creepiest guy I've ever met in my life. Like just very, just jive me completely wrong. And so some, it's obviously not perfect, but generally... <laughs> I'm just trying to picture what a creepy dentist. It's, 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 it's Just massaging the tooth. It's, it's like the... It's like the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors, you know. It's uh, what? What's his name? Uh, Seymour or something? No, but oh, like no, the, no, dentist, you're right? the dentist, right? The... Oh, excuse me. Yeah, and and he has the song about how much he gets off on like inflicting pain, like that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. Luckily, he was just. He was. He was just a little touchy, and like it was obviously. Like, what? He was. No, like, it was. So that's I'm, not even my mouth. What is like? <laughs> where's your gloves? <laughs> No, no, so I, I can explain just so we don't, like, leave people in the dark. I don't want to go off into it too much, but um, it was it was very obvious that he'd taken classes or something and, you know, communicating with customers. And so it was, like, it just felt very kind of canned. He would be talking, he'd be talking. And, like, if I'd interrupt to ask a question, he just kind of, he you know, freeze up and, like, ignore it and keep going. Um, and at the end, he'd be like, you know, did I explain everything okay? So to recap, we went over this, this, and this. And, you know, obviously it's a good technique, but it just felt very canned. And the touching thing, you know, I'm sitting there in the chair and, like, Every couple of minutes when he'd be talking, he'd say something, you know, lean forward, like, just touch my arm gently and, like, lean back and, like, laugh about it. You know how you do with a friend, like, you pat them on the back or whatever. It's like, this guy's not my friend. I just met him. He's, like, a creepy guy. And he's sitting here, like, touching me every two seconds. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm trying to, like, sidle away from him as subtly as I can without just turning the chair the other way. But... Anyway, point is, get to know the people you're working with. It's like, yeah. obviously, it's not, it's not <laughs> that interesting. Like, your publisher's not going to be, hopefully, you know, touching your arm all day. But, um, I mean, if they are, it's a whole other story. But let's not get too distracted. Make sure it's someone you're comfortable with. Make sure it's someone you feel comfortable opening up to, you feel comfortable talking to. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever end up in a situation where you sign this contract for the lifetime of your game, let's say, you have a serious problem coming up and you feel like your publisher's going to kick your ass if you don't deal with it, it leads to a lot of stress, a lot of bad will, and that's when, you know, you start hiding things, you start finding, like, people trying, you know, go behind the backs of the publisher and sign a different distribution deal, and that's when you can get in major trouble legally, and just, I mean, you don't want to be that guy, you know, nobody wants to be that guy. Just do your research beforehand, um, not only objective research, but also just, objective is in, you know, stuff that's publicly available, but just give them a phone call and say, hey, can we chat for a little bit? Off, ask them for a Skype call, and if you ever meet a publisher that is not willing to give you some FaceTime or voice time, do not sign with them because that is very suspicious. Like I usually, for any kind of strategic partnership I'm doing, if they're not willing to get in a call with me on Skype or if they kind of keep avoiding the question, that is a major, you know, mm-hmm. red flag in my books. Um, I think you know anybody. I mean, obviously, if you have actual situations, like if you're literally working out of you know Somalia and you don't have internet, that's fine. But if you're if you have no valid excuse to not get in a Skype call and kind of just be a person to them instead of a company, then I don't know what to, what the heck you're trying to do. Hey, sorry, Thomas, go ahead. I took a little longer than I thought I was going to. But... No, no, that's fine. Uh, and your points are definitely more important. I guess one of my points is kind of goes along with publishing, but like one of the questions we get asked a lot from like some of our own clients are like, hey. I, you know, I, I've just barely started on this project. When should I get in touch with a publisher, right? And generally, one of the things I say is as soon as possible, right? Because it, because it is a partnership, if you come with us and, like, you have a fully finished game and you're like, here's a game, I need to sell it. It's like, well, you know, we can definitely help you out, but it, it makes our job harder. Because one of the things that we learned with Sanctuary RPG was building a fan base 
is is vital to your game, right? It's not just marketing. It's it's also being personable with the people who are going to play your game and build up building up good report with them as well, right? So as much as you are a partner with your publisher, you need to be a partner with your fans to a certain extent, right? And that's where we try and come in is we say, you know, as soon as you have something that you can show to us and we can, you know, say, yes, we believe in this game, and then we go ahead and we start finding you fans. And mm. it, that takes time, right? So it's definitely one of those things where, like, the development process, like, building the game, so long as you have the motivation to keep up with it, building the game serves to market the game as well. Mm. Uh, and that's also a great motivator because if you have, you know, thousands of people uh, watching your game and expecting updates, that's definitely a hell of a reason to, you know, go and do your game instead of, you know, go and play League of Legends or World of Warcraft when you get home, right? Uh, so that's one of those things we recommend as, as soon as possible, you know, even if you, you don't want to reach out to a publisher, you don't want to do that kind of stuff, at least, like, set up a Twitter, set up a dev blog. Just start talking about your game, even if, if you don't like how it looks or, you know, everyone has the idea of, like, when they're in kindergarten and they're drawing a picture and they're, like, they're covering it with their shoulder because you can't show it until it's done. Games are not <laughs> like that. Show it. Like, get, get over your pride. You know, just show it to people and people will like it. People might not like it, but if they don't like it, then you keep on going and, you know, you just you stick to your guns. And that will help your game be successful. And that is one of the golden rules that we've learned. Man, you guys are making me want to come and show you all my game projects. <laughs> I'm so motivated over here. It's working. Yeah, man. You're awesome. sold. Well, this this kind of leads uh, to my next question, and this is towards Thomas, but any of you guys can definitely answer. So you kind of touched upon like the biggest things that you see when when people come up to you guys as far as uh you know problems. Are there other top things that you commonly see uh, with your clients when they come to you? that is seems to be at least uh repetitive or, or, or common mistakes that out people out there listeners out there can can avoid easily uh personally like the the one big thing that always sticks out is like when right um but actually oh i i i'll let ragover daniel take this one up and i'll think about it because nothing else is coming to mind like immediately yeah, sure. I actually wrote a whole blog post, 10 Simple Mistakes Indie Developers Should Avoid. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> parrot it right now. It's on our, available on our blog. But um, I think the biggest, uh, it's hard to it's hard to identify kind of one key, you know, mistake that people make. Because a lot of people make different mistakes or make different, overlook different things in different ways. Um, so for some people, it might be, you know, having too big of a team, having too many cooks, um, you know, too many cooks spoils the broth, so the saying goes. And then when we come in, it's kind of, oh my gosh, I'm not dealing with one developer I'm dealing with the developer, their designer, their artist, and this and that. And it's like sometimes it's okay to, you know, a lot of a lot of teams try and take the Valve approach of, you know, everyone is equal. There's no one who has kind of final authority. There's no one producer. It's everyone is an equal. We're all, you know, brothers in this, however you want to uh, explain it, so to speak. Um, but sometimes it's, it's okay to have someone step forward and become the leader. Sometimes it'll happen naturally because, you know, the programmer obviously has the final say over what's in the game because they're the ones who have to implement it at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes maybe it's like a, someone like a producer, you know, someone just comes forward with a stronger leadership style who can kind of help coordinate things, help with the organizational front, things like that. And it's okay to let that person be the point of contact. Some people feel the need to make sure people are involved at every stage. And, you know, like 
we're all adults here working on the game, or for the most part, we're all adults working on games. It's okay to kind of let someone be the boss, so to speak. I mean, I'm not saying let someone, you know, take charge and force someone to take charge. If if it ends up being that, you know, you're, there are three of you and you guys want to all talk um, together, that's totally fine, like, as long as it works. But if, if it comes to a point where you feel like you're getting bottlenecked by having to go through so many um, points of view, so many eyes before you can put anything out there, that's definitely a big deal. Um, other thing, yeah, like Thomas said, I think biggest issue is timing. People will say, hey, I launched this game two months ago. Why am I not getting downloads? Can you help me? There's only so much we can do at that point. I mean, you didn't give the press early access. You didn't hype it up before launch. You didn't promote your developer blog. And they just come to us and they're like, make me money, please. And it's that, that's not <laughs> what we're about. We're not about, you know, coming and like buying you clicks to your website and giving you advertising revenue from that. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to enrich people's lives through entertainment, through fun, through games. If you're in here to make a quick buck, like, I don't particularly want to work with you. I mean, if your game is fantastic, maybe I want to work with you. But, like, if, if, if your motivations are so based that you don't want to make a good product and kind of, you know, let people enjoy it and you're not taking the time to make it a journey, a process that you can take your fans with you on, then I don't think it's really a good idea for you to be I, – I mean, obviously, don't come to me because I don't want to work with you in that case. But <laughs> it's indie development – we live in 2016. This is – we've got – Tumblr, Blogger, WordPress, you can make a development blog, you can keep people completely in the loop. It's like you're developing a game in front of an audience. I mean, developers are live streaming stuff on Twitch, you know? It's like, there's so many ways to engage with your audience and make them feel a part of the process, which is one of the reasons indie development, I think at least, kind of got so popular in the past couple of years, because it's not just, oh, you know, Activision put this game out, let's play it. It's, oh, Daniel's putting this game out, or Raga's putting this game out, let's work, let's like, talk to them about it. I mean, when we launched Sanctuary RPG on Early Access, Daniel was on the Steam forums talking to people. Every single comment was getting replied to. In some cases, someone would make a suggestion. Daniel would kind of talk to them about it for a couple of posts. Within an hour, there was a new update live with that suggestion in there. And now people aren't just going and saying, hey, look at this awesome game. They're saying, hey, look at this awesome developer's game. And it kind of puts a human side to the game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I digress a little bit. But basically, just be very transparent and, yeah, start early, definitely. Uh, And I guess I I could think of one thing which... It's, it's going to feel, like, incredibly shallow compared to this great stuff uh, Rago's saying. Uh, but, like, it's a pet peeve, or I guess, like, a general business thing. is like, when you're, like, trying to talk with, like, a publisher, or when you're trying to do, like, the business side of things, please, 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 please put on some sort of a professional front, right? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 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 I get that this is video games, and this is entertainment. And, I mean, as you can hear, we're, we're incredibly human people. Like, we will, we, we will, we have... Uh, we were just like in a call right now before the show with one of our other developers that were re- getting ready to launch, and we joke around and we laugh and we have fun and you know we quote unquote bro it up. But when you're <laughs> getting in contact with us, uh, definitely please like uh, have your professional email like don't have it be like Dragon Slayer sixty nine, uh, like you know just have something you know simple or something. I, you know you can have that kind of email address as a personal email, but you know have a have a business email too, yeah. right? If yeah. you have a, a Twitter, you know, you can have a personal Twitter where you post all of you, you know, your anime waifus or whatever, right? Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those kinds of people, but that's separate and buried, right? Uh, <laughs> so you will never find it. But with your game, you know, if your game's dev blog, don't post it on the same blog that, you know, you, you talk about your hobbies on. Just have that separate, right? So that way when you show us your game, we can see, okay, so when it comes to making a game, you know, you're capable, you're competent, you know what you're doing. Uh, and, you know, we don't try and let that get in the way too much, but first impressions really do count. So mm-hmm. trying to make, you know, you're selling yourself too, right? We're all selling each other's, 
you know, we it's all about how we look to each other, right? Mm-hmm. So please put your best foot forward. Uh, not just talking of us, but you know, any of our competitors or our we say competitors, but they're our friends too, sure. right? I mean, oh, the yeah. publishing industry. Uh, it is very good to have friends here. So, or just talking with anyone about your game. Look nice, you know. Wear a suit. Right. <laughs> One thing. Sorry, really, just real quick. I have a really quick, like, funny story I want to comment on. Um, Daniel, you're going to remember this and laugh. I, I'll obviously not mention any specifics. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But we were doing a thread on Reddit somewhere, and we were talking kind of about our services as a publisher. And one of our, uh, you know, again, competitors or someone else that offers similar services to us hopped in the thread, and they started talking. And um, I, I couldn't. I, at first, I couldn't pinpoint who exactly it was. Um, so I, um, I asked him, you know, who are you by the way? And he introduced himself as I'm this guy from this firm. And so I'm like, Oh, interesting. I never met you before. So I decided, let me look at his Reddit profile. Let me see what this company's doing. I go on, I see a couple posts promoting the company. I see a couple posts, you know, talking about like League of legends or whatever. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling. And this dude is posting business promotions and stuff from the same account that he posts on like porn subreddits on. And Ooh. I find these comments there on that profile and I'm like, that's I mm, okay. That's so I, I actually I I knew another guy at the firm, so I emailed him and I said, hey man, you might want to you know check this out and <laughs> just talk to the guy. And so he did eventually. But sorry, just want to yeah, definitely be very prudent about what you're putting out there. <laughs> Holy shit, man! Yeah, I was, I'm just I, I wonder like if any potential clients were kind of you know oh let me check out this guy. Oh never mind. <laughs> I don't know. It's, that it's... could have been pretty bad. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, with being a celebrity, like, none of us, you know, we're not celebrities, right? But at the same time, like, when you're in business and when you're trying to, like, be successful, like, even if you're not someone yet, if you're trying to be someone, you definitely have to, like, realize that, oh, crap, I'm in the public eye now, right? So you need to learn how to separate your private life and your business life. Uh, and it's, it's, it takes getting used to, to some people, you know, uh, especially like transitioning into this, but if you're going to be a developer, uh, definitely have a developer persona and then have, you know, don't, don't put on a fake act. Right. But some things don't need to be brought into business. So I, I personally kind of feel that like, like a lot of developers, like myself included, um, you know, like, like when it comes to like programming and when it comes to like software engineering like in general you you kind of have to like you know spend like a lot of time locked up in your ivory tower just coding away and and i i definitely feel that um you know like maybe these guys aren't exposed um to the quote-unquote real world as much as someone with you know like more business acumen you know so sometimes it's kind of difficult for them to make that transition so so uh definitely it's a very 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 good point that you know like you have to like you know, like be really like you have to like monitor yourself and you know figure out if what what you're presenting to the world is professional enough. Yeah. Um, because like sometimes uh, developers will like uh, send us emails and it's like I honestly can't even tell what they're trying to tell me. Or 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 sometimes they'll like uh, send us like a game and then they'll be like, oh hey, like check out my uh, my my game. It's like really awesome. And then we're looking at it and we're like. That looks like you made it in Microsoft Paint in like two days. So, <laughs> so, so like, um, it's very important to you know like you know get get your like get other people's opinions and then try to you know always always be improving mm-hmm. and you know tr- um, try to be as as professional as possible and uh, you know like talk to people. <laughs> now, I wanted to jump in and uh, co-sign. Not that I know you know a lot about publishing and marketing games, but I do know a lot about professionalism, and I want to just talk to the audience for a second. Don't be one of those people, like they said, who's like, hey, take my game, go make me rich. 
because one, it's ignorant of what these guys do as professionals, but it also disrespects what they do as professionals, right? Like if you're not going to give them the time and the opportunity to build a relationship, to actually understand the product and to legitimately help you form a partnership that's going to benefit both parties, you're being just incredibly disrespectful to somebody if you're just like, hey, market my game, go make me money, right? Like I've already finished it. I've already done everything. Now just go sell it. You're like nobody wants to be presented an opportunity that way, uh, I believe. And I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to add anything on to that if you'd like. Yeah, well, like it's, oh, go on. Uh, so I was gonna say it's, it's not just that we you know we get the game and we put it out there. It's we get the game, we spend time like Thomas was saying. We do you know an analysis of it. We take a look at the game. We play through. We talk to the developer, understand the story, see what kind of because it's not just oh here's a game. Like if if you gave me a random link to a game on Steam, I wouldn't be able to market it. I don't know anything about it. I, I can look through it, understand the page maybe, but that only tells me so much. Actually, getting to sit down, be it in a Skype call or through an email thread or through you know text messaging, whatever it is. Um, and talk to the developer, understand where they're coming from, what kind of product they're actually putting out there, instead of just, this is a game that needs to be sold. This is a work of art, I believe, completely, that, you know, gaming, like anything else, is a work of art. And when you go to, you know, galleries, art museums, whatever it is, it's never just, you know, title of painting, painter. It's title of painting, painter, with a little backstory about it, a little Mm -hmm. explanation about the artist's motivation, about the artist's historical situation. Especially, you know, I've been to the Museum, Museum of Modern Art in New York City, they have amazing, very interesting. Like you look at a piece of art and you think, oh, it's straightforward. You know, it's a chair, whatever it is. It, it speaks to me in some way. Then you read a little bit about the the artist and what they were kind of going through at the time, and it puts a whole other spin on it. And it's like, wow, this is. It, it opens up a new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. With gaming, you know, obviously, if it's a zombie shooter, it's always going to be a zombie shooter. But if it's like a zombie shooter made by a one man team, you know, over the course of like a week. Wow, that's kind of cool. And only in a week he made this in this engine, and there's a little story behind it. It's kind of it's a it's a process, you know. Like, it's it's. I mean, obviously, not not all games have it. Sometimes it's just yeah, this team was put together and paid to make this game. But even then, you know, maybe they come from a different background. That's why you always see, you know, about the developer, about the publisher, whatever it is. There's always kind of a, a human aspect to it, um, which is what makes independent gaming so amazing. Well, and to build off of what Ragov said, like recently, like one of the games we published, uh, the developer was featured in what was it, Forbes like thirty under thirty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thirty. Uh, so, yeah, so that was one of those things where we could say, uh, I don't know if you know you necessarily want us to list off the name of the game, but we were able to say, hey, look at this, you know, this game, uh, you know, this this guy is a father and he built it because these were his motivations, and he was featured as a Forbes thirty under thirty. Like, we really hope you guys enjoy this game and that. Uh, there's actually an interesting story to go along with that, if I if I can kind of bring this back into another point. So I think Daniel mentioned earlier about, like, or no, Ragov mentioned earlier about, like, not trying to chase trends, right? And so this developer came to us with, hey, guys, I, you know, I have this kind of, like, Mario-type game. I'm worried that, you know, it's not what the kids play these days, right? I'm worried that it's not what, you know, gamers enjoy, right? And we had to talk with him and say, hey, listen, you know, there's a lot of different types of gamers out there, and, you know, that's fine, right? And then the first review came out for the game, like, the very first review came out, and it was like, this is a baby game, this is a Mario clone, there's no, you know, and it, it was, like, devastating to him, right? And we were sitting there with him, you know, in a Skype call, like, it's okay, man, just wait, we trust you, it's, it's gonna work out, like, people are gonna love this game, right? And then all of a sudden, we start getting these new reviews in, and one of the reviews was uh, a father, just like the developer, uh, who played the game with his son 
right? And he wrote this touching Steam review about, yeah, I played it with my son, some parts were too difficult for him, and then I played those parts, and then I let him play the easy parts. And it was a bonding experience, and it was my way of introducing him to games that I enjoyed as a kid, right? And so we were able to pass it along to our developer and be like, look at this, right? Like, it doesn't, you don't have to have a roguelike with permadeath mm-hmm. and, you know, all of this, this crazy stuff. You, you make what you want to make, and then that... And I guess that aspect to it is important was because we understood his passion as a father and as wanting to make this game, that allowed us to be able to market it, to you know, hit that audience. And we hit that audience and we were able to say, Hey, look, this is you know, this is these are the people you want to be talking to. You don't want me talking to the people that are like on IGN, you know, playing the next Call of Duty or something. You wanna be talking to people, you know, you want this game to reach people who have the same love that you do, because everyone loves games in their own way. Uh so, a bit of a, a tangent, but I hope that kind of ties things back together. No, that, was, and I, I, okay. that was worth it, man. That was a touching story. I'm over here like, I can't wait to have a son so I can play. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to wait for... <laughs> well, it's great. You're touching on a really good point. It's like, a lot of times, uh, we can get lost in trying to find that audience instead of letting the audience find you. And creating a game you want is at the heart of every developer, right? That's why we got into the industry. We're not here to... To, to please everyone, we, we want to make a game that, that speaks to us, that with our experience, uh, you know, it just ends up being a product that we want to show the world, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that uh, worth investing in. All right, guys, so we have passed the 45-minute mark. Let's give everyone a chance to take a break and listen Ooh. to this awesome commercial. Get ready, get ready. Brandon and Larry are coming together to make a game. That's right, we're using our expertise and our understanding of game development to teach the world about video game development firsthand. So if you're interested in checking out the game that we make, the process, the behind the scenes for the whole project, then definitely go over to www.gameschoolonline.com slash we make. That's gameschoolonline.com slash Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back. I just dropped a big one, and I'm here with Brandon Fam and the guys at Blackshell Media. Let's wrap this thing up with 15 minutes of awesome. How about that? Sounds good. That sounds good. Better? Is that better? Sounds gravy. Yep. <laughs> All right, cool. So what I would like to talk about is let's – Brandon and I are going to play developers, and you guys obviously are going to play yourselves. We're going to try to ask the questions that we believe our audience is going to want to know if it hasn't already been covered in the first 45 minutes. So my first question is – what types of game submissions do you feel like work best with what you guys do at Blackshell Media right now? Do you have a specific like subgenre or genre that you focus on, or can I just bring any game that I believe is worth marketing that I've made? Do you so mind if what I take this is, one? I, yeah, I, I can talk a little bit about this. Um, okay. What we do is um, we basically have a committee, a kind of an approval board that talks that looks at the games that get submitted to us for publishing. We have like a little simple one-page um, application of sorts that you can put. It's just a few pictures, playable demo, um, YouTube link, things like that, some basic information about the game. We send it to the board. Everyone at the board looks at it. You know, we obviously look at it too. Um, and we kind of just double-check that it fits in with the brand. It's something that's quality enough that we can market it successfully. Because, you know, we could sign on anything, like any, you know, Game Jam game and things like that. But it's not really going to do that well. And a lot of the games that end up getting approved are... It's not so much about the genre as it is the polish and the kind of dedication and passion that's in it. You know, we have everything from, um, you know, quirky kids games where you play on a pogo stick to hardcore dungeon-crawling roguelikes to, you know, geopolitical simulations. So... It's not about the genre as much. I know a lot of publishers focus on one specific genre or whatever, but with us, it's more about just the polish and the de- dedication behind it. 
Well, this kind of follows up to to one of my questions. So let's say you, uh, a developer comes to you, right? Uh, usually he submits the project, and you see this project, and it's awesome. It's amazing. But then mm-hmm. you meet the developer. I mean, have you guys <laughs> been in a situation where you met a developer that didn't seem like they would go through with it, uh, even if their, their their demo was amazing, and you guys decided not to, to, to pick up on it? And what are the reasons uh, exactly? Uh, Rago, do you want to tell the story we were just talking about in the office hours? Which story? Untold uh, the the, the one the the foreigner guy that the which one? Okay, the the guy who was like, I won't work with foreigners. That guy. Do you want to tell that story? Or is that what? not not? Which? That's oh, like, I can. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. god. Oh, uh, represents on Minority okay. Report. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Okay, this one's a heavy one. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like it's kind of it's definitely relevant a little bit about you know the quality of developers. Before I start this, I will say just kind of talking about you know following through with the project specifically. Um, we've worked with developers where the game is fantastic, and you know sometimes halfway through they kind of fall off the wagon. At that point, again, because we're very hands off, we can't force them to continue the game. We can't force them to keep going, but we can motivate them as much as we can. So. If it gets to a point where a developer feels like they're struggling and they're not understanding what's happening, maybe sales are slipping a little bit and it's demotivating, we'll do something like get them in a bundle or, you know, put the game massively on sale. Actually, just now, one of our games, the developer um, kind of, you know, they put out the game a few months back and they kind of quieted down on development. And then just now, you know, as part of our long tail plan, one of the things we do is put the game on 90% discount sometimes um, or 85%, 90% discount down to just a couple cents, like 50 cents or so to attract just as much attention as we can. This game ended up selling like, you know, maybe I think thousands of copies in like a few days alone. The developer emailed us saying, thank you so much for doing this. This motivated me so much that I actually hired a composer and we're putting in three new levels and tracks for the game. Wow. It's like it can be really – there are different ways to motivate developers to keep going and – it, it, it dep- yeah, if the developer seems super flaky or super sketchy or racist, as I'm about to get to, we obviously don't want to work with them. Um, but yeah, usually it's just a question of like, how do we keep them motivated? So I can, if you have, I'll, I'll keep it as short as I can. Basically, we get an email from this guy. Um, can you tell me more what you guys have to offer? He emails us out of the blue, you know, can you tell me what you have to offer? Okay, fair enough. I reply with like a general, hey, we're Black Shell Media. We do this. Here's some stats. Here's some brochures. Check it out. Like a decent length email. Mm-hmm. He replies back one line. Can you tell me where you guys are located? Thanks. I'm like, okay, strange question. Maybe he wants to meet personally. Um, So I'm like, oh, we're located. At the time, I was in New Jersey. Daniel's in California. I'm like, we're in New Jersey, California. I'm in New Jersey. And um, then he replies my next email. He replies to that email. Sorry, I'm going to have to cancel our consultation. I noticed your name, and we prefer not to work with foreigners. What? Wow. What? What? Not going to name him by name, but he had a very Texan name. And so I'm like, mm, I suspect something's going on here. But So I reply like, oh, my God. I, I like the most passive-aggressive reply I've ever written in my life. I'm like, yeah. thanks for the note. Uh, any reason you dislike working with, quote-unquote, foreigners who are U.S. citizens born and lived here and have successfully launched games that have netted over 350,000 downloads and have published on Steam, GOG, Desera, and more? And he replies like, sorry, I get so much spam and fake offers from India, it's hard to sort them out. And I'm like, okay, like valid excuse, I guess. But you emailed me first. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? It's your fault. You can click blackshellmedia.com forward slash about. You'll see a picture of me. You'll oh, see me. Man. I love how it's not yeah. even a little racist. <laughs> it's so just full on. Warners. Like, dude, you could say we prefer not to work with, you know, like overseas spamming companies. Okay, I understand that. I get, oh, God, God knows I get hundreds of emails from those guys. But, like, 
we I noticed your name and we prefer not to work with foreigners. It's like wow. Okay. We ended up actually, you know, talking to him on the phone and stuff after that. I you know I called him out for his bluntness and he was like, Yes, I'm a very blunt person. I apologize. I've dealt with a few companies that said they were US based, but then really they were in India being deceptive. Mm. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and then he, so we talked to him, we get a call and stuff, and eventually he just drops off the wagon and part of me was like, Oh thank God and like <laughs> at that point it's just like, Can I squeeze any cash out of you? Like, you know, I'm not yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not about to the money, but when it comes to that point, like, I don't want to publish your game. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Larry and I have our share of stories. <laughs> we did a whole episode on minorities in gaming, but that's we're going to recall this story and this episode when we do the next one for sure. <laughs> that's man, unfortunate. It was just shocking to me because that's never happened to me before. Like I, you know, you see my picture. I have like a full beard. I'm you know brown skin. Now I've seen, I, I imagine that I'm the victim of like I've been stopped with the TSA a couple times. Let's put it that way. But like, <laughs> just to have it happen so bluntly to my face, like, sorry, nice. I noticed your name. It's not even just that. Oh, we, like I think you might not be. And I'm like, my biggest question was why even say that? Why just why not just leave, stay silent at that point? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, just specifying just... like you have an Indian name, you sack of shit. Like, what's the deal with that? Like. <laughs> I don't know, but people are weird. Don't be that guy. So the golden nugget here is... The golden nugget is don't be a dick. Actually, no. I can can actually make this work. I can make this work. I've worked with developers that are U.S.-based that have made fantastic games, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that are in the U.S. especially kind of put this big blanket on overseas developers, overseas games, overseas companies that are Mm -hmm. kind of not so good. A lot of the people I collaborate with, probably over 50 to 60 percent, are overseas. I've got artists, you know, from India. I've got programmers from um, Eastern Europe and stuff from Kosovo. Um, oh God, getting money to that guy is like a pain in the butt. But whatever, he's a very talented guy. Um, you know, we we set up partnerships between that guy in Kosovo and Intel, and they're making fantastic products and put it out there. I guess the nugget of wisdom, if you want to put a spin on, it, is don't be kind of preconceived about um, what people can do based on their age, gender, ethnicity, things like that, Mm -hmm. because that really has no bearing. Like I mentioned earlier, one of our developers is 14 years old, and he's made a full-fledged game that's live on Steam right now in early access, a bunch of plugins for Twitch.tv, a bunch of small mini-games, and he's like a full-on software developer, age 14, maybe 15 by now. I should probably check when it's his birthday. That's not good. Uh, you know, relations, but um. Anyway, he, you know, like don't, don't, you know, don't have preconceived notions about what people can do or can't do because they're a woman, because they're young, because they're old, because they're, you know, not white. Whatever the deal is, like, just have an open mind. This is gaming. This is an art form. Yeah. You don't see, you don't see artists criticizing art, other artists for their ethnicity. It's like that's part of the experience. Sometimes I've worked with developers that bring, you know, personal stories into their games and personal stories into their their studio because of you know maybe maybe they were segregated. Maybe they want to bring up you know. Um, not segregated, sorry, discriminated against, um, or maybe segregated, I don't know. Um, and it kind of, it really enhances the experience for everybody. So just, yeah, in short, don't be a dick and be open about it, you know? You'll, you'll be surprised what people can do. I do have a quite interesting tidbit, too, like regarding the business. Like, speaking of, like, women, how Ragov mentioned, there was one point where Black Shell Media was, I think, over half women, right, Ragov? Or something. Yeah, well, yeah, it was at one point either... we, had, we had more women than we had men. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And we got, what was it, like, interviewed or featured in a piece about, like, hey, look at this company who is hiring, you know, based off of talent, right? And it was, we weren't even paying attention, right? We were just hiring the people who did, you know, who were great at their jobs. Mm -hmm. And so we had this, you know, huge influx of women. And it was like, oh, hey, that's cool. Like, we didn't really notice, but, hey, it worked out because, you know. (laughs) It was really funny because it was totally accidental. I know some companies, you know, they hire based on kind of like affirmative action for colleges. They, you know, say, oh, we want more women. And even they'll be more subtle, like, oh, women and minorities are encouraged 
courage to apply for this job. For me, it's literally just like, can you write well? Can you do this job when you do it? And this writer came to us and they're like, yo, I'm going to write this fantastic little essay about your company. You guys are doing a great job hiring women. I'm like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> I didn't know what to say because I wasn't – it's not like I was sitting there manually saying, you know, oh, let's make sure we get enough women in the company. But yeah, definitely, you know, you'd be surprised what people can do based on um, – just based on like whatever preconceived notion you have, like you talk to a four, you hear fourteen year old developer, you think, oh, it's got to be awful. But no, this guy's you know selling games on Steam. It's fantastic. He knows what he wanted to do, and he started early. Exactly, awesome, yeah. 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 it's beautiful. I'm so impressed by you guys, by the way. Like, I I can't believe that just one day off of a random Reddit post, like you get this awesome caliber candidate, and then you have a friend from college, and you turn into this. I'm so impressed with the collection of individuals and your like mindedness on these social topics. Like, if, if there's any way I can support you personally, I'm all in, just so you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, I'll I'll put you on our mailing list, man. That's the best we can oh, do. Oh, yeah, please do, please. We write a lot on our blog. Like, we do a lot of, I guess, you know, part of the shameless self-promotion. We have a blog that we run very frequently, blackshellmedia.com forward slash blog. A lot of it's articles about, you know, game design, game development, little tutorials, little, you know, golden nuggets of advice that we post ourselves. But also it's, you know... One time I was sitting on an airplane traveling uh, from New Jersey to San Francisco and I was thinking about humility and how people never want to say I don't know and people are kind of, you know, they're too proud. Mm-hmm. And I wrote like a full on, you know, 1200 word blog post about it, shared it and it was pretty well received by the community. So if, yeah, we like to connect with people, we'd love to have you guys read our blog or even contribute to it. Uh, I will gladly do it. I'm sure Brandon will as well. And while we're talking about the blog, I just want to say the blog is caviar. I don't know if you guys could tell, <laughs> but I've been scrolling through it while we've been having the podcast. I'm on the post. Uh, I made a game in five weeks. Here's what I learned. Hey, and, uh, that's my, that was my <laughs> post and my game. And I am also the editor-in-chief of the blog, so I feel yes. aces now. Yeah, Anyways, it's, it's caviar, dude. I really like it. I have a bunch of stories I could tell about that blog because I run it with an iron fist. Um, like the interns and stuff. Yeah, the interns that I've worked with, like it's it's not necessarily like oh they're bad writers. It's like my standard of quality is like, whew, I mean it's it's work, right? It's my baby, so it's definitely work we work we put in uh, to try and get it as as polished as possible. Uh, so. I guess you know. it's working, Thomas. <laughs> I, hey, I, I'm, I hope so. I'm glad. So, Yeah, yeah we're definitely going to shout out the blog. We're going to put a link in the uh, the podcast notes. So if you're on SoundCloud right now, or iTunes, I believe, you should see the link that says come check out this blog, and it'll lead you right to this awesome blog. So uh, I have a question for you guys, and we kind of touched uh, upon it a couple of times. <clears throat> like nowadays, we have such a abundance of social networking right and it can be overwhelming at times to an indie developer and this is probably where you guys can come in and help but uh like if i i I wanted to get started right there's so many things to sign up for to 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 update and that in itself is is a job right Mm -hmm. if you were trying to develop a game i mean is there certain ones you guys mentioned reddit a couple times like certain ones definite ones that you want to be a part of to at least you know get started to get going Twitter. Twitter, 100% Twitter. Twitter. I think Twitter is like the biggest one. I've, I recently started using. We we initially had Twitter accounts that we were kind of just using to promote stuff on, but I recently you know said forget that and I started managing it 100% personally, um, as opposed to kind of you know a semi-automated system. Um, and it's oh my, I've I'm blown away by the amount of interactions I've been able to have. I think you know oh, 140 characters. What am I? What kind of connection can I get with people out of that? But no, it's I'm having conversations with everybody from you know average Joe developers to, you know, people in my own company to, like, 
CEOs of bigger companies. I'm talking to like the CEO of T-Mobile on Twitter just casually, you know, I'm like, you know, Virgin America shouting me out and stuff when I post pictures of our flight. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, we made a Twitter for my dog at Doggy Loves Games and people are tweeting at her like, woof, woof, I love your account and stuff. And she's tweeting, I mean, I'm tweeting back on her behalf, but don't tell anybody that. Um, <laughs> oh, let the cat out of the bag or let the dog off the keyboard. Um, but it's just, people love to connect, and Twitter is such a fast, easy way to do it, where on Facebook you have this big, this is my entire life history, here's a biography of me, I'm only going to accept you if you're you know, worthy of it, so to speak. And the kind of, the page-to-user interaction is very mechanical, almost, I want to say, in that, not mechanical so much as, yeah, robotic, almost, I want to say, where it's company-customer more than person-person, whereas on Twitter, it doesn't matter if you're tweeting as at Black Shell Media or at you know, Zinasha, which is my, my personal Twitter, um, you're going to be talking to a real person. It's more of a direct conversation. And it's actually kind of a sad um, uh, anecdote, so to speak, that I've talked to a lot of people and I've been complaining about, oh, man, you know, tech support on the phone is so slow. We're all oh, the websites down again. What do I do? And people tell me, oh, just tweet at them. Just tweet at them. And I, I'm like, no, no way. Why would, how could tweeting at a company be more dif- direct than calling them? Um, but then one day I got a, you know, Domino's like horribly screwed up my order. It showed up three hours late. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tweet at them. I, like, went off on Domino's. I was, like, I ranted about it for five <laughs> tweets. I ended up, like, on the phone with corporate, and there's a gift certificate for Domino's sitting on my desk right now. <laughs> like, it's... Uh. People really pay attention to Twitter, especially, like, any kind of issue you have, you'll get a response like that, which I don't know what that says about, you know, our society. I'm not a sociologist by any means, but, I mean, Twitter speaks louder than words. Or, wait, uh, something like that. Some cuter dodge I can make up. <laughs> but, you- sorry, so back to the point. Twitter, um, I-, I just went on a five-minute rant about Twitter. What am I doing? Twitter is good. Facebook pages are okay. People go on Facebook for different reasons than they do Twitter. A lot of times Facebook is more of kind of, this is, like I said, it's a biography. This is my life. This is my story. I'm talking to my cousins, my grandmother, grandmother, parents, whatever it is on Twitter. On Facebook, excuse me, not Twitter. Um, And the demographic tends to be kind of a little on the older side. Uh, There's actually a lot of kind of hype going on right now about, oh, you know, millennials are moving away from Facebook. I don't think it's that drastic, but I definitely think that Facebook is for you want to sit down and read about what's this person going through. Let me look at their picture album for their wedding. Let me look at, you know, their baby's baptism, things like that. It's more of a involved social network. So if you want to share a developer blog to Facebook, by all means, go ahead. If you want, I know a lot of people, what they do is they make their profile publicly followable and they let people kind of be a part of their personal life while also having a personal life there. I think that's kind of weird, but um, it's, you know, to each their own. Like for some people it works. I wouldn't do it personally just because I like to keep, you know, personal business as separated as I can. Um, but you can connect with people on very different levels. So Twitter is kind of more topical, I'd say, where you can tweet, oh, here's a new update, here's a screenshot, here's um, you know, uh, a download link, for example, and people will engage with it. Whereas smaller, and also just the way that Facebook's content algorithm works is, if you ever notice, I don't know if uh, you guys or your listeners have noticed, or you know, Daniel or Thomas, a lot of times on Facebook, you'll see a lot of those posts from your friends that are like really long and they go down to see more and stuff. You see a lot of those posts kind of higher ranking because it's more quality content, as far as Facebook's concerned, at least. Um, so if you want to share, you know, deep developer blogs and kind of insights, go for it on Facebook. If you want to share screenshots and quick things, go to Twitter. Um, for developer blogs, Tumblr is great. I like WordPress personally just because you can integrate it with a website very nicely, and WordPress is a great platform. It's more advanced than Tumblr, definitely. There's also, like, Blogger, Blogspot, um, uh, there's other ones. I'm totally blanking, but WordPress is kind of the be-all end-all. I'd say you can set up a nice website, set up a blog, set up whatever you want on there. Mm-hmm. Definitely get WordPress, even if it's just you know your blog.wordpress.com. You don't have to get a domain for it. Although you can get domains for like two bucks, um, so you have no reason not to get a domain. Pretty much. 
And here's um, also a. Oh, can I interject? Yeah, no, no, go, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Regarding to like going back to Twitter real quick though, is often we'll have people come to us and they'll be like, "Hey, can you market our game? Can you help us get promoted?" Right. And one of the things I'll say is, "Yeah, here we'll help you out with Twitter. Right. We'll get in. You know, we'll work with you on your Twitter account and we'll get you in touch with your fans." And people say, "Oh, no, thanks. I'm good. Do you guys have any real marketing?" Right. And, <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> like we have traditional marketing, we have press releases, we have contacts. You know, mm-hmm. we can put out ads, we can do all this crazy. You know, the the quote unquote marketing. But you know, <laughs> the reason why we always you know say Twitter, like you might think, oh well, it's just social media. That's not you're not really doing a job, right? But that's like as as Raga pointed out, it's ridiculously effective, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's one of those things. Like keep an open mind when it comes to like Twitter, where it's like, no, trust me, like it, you know, if you see what we can do with Twitter, or what anyone can do, or even if you're using Twitter, like please use Twitter and like see the results. It's amazing and it's motivating and it works. And I think in terms of marketing, it's the future, right? Like it's this yeah. is where we need to start going. And I think a lot of people are missing opportunities by saying, well, that's not real marketing. That doesn't count. That's not a, you can't, you know, like Ragga was saying, oh, well, why would I, you know, tweet at the company? That's not going to do anything. It does. It works. And just trust in it. These people swear they know everything about, like, they come to you, right, because they need help. And then as soon as you offer advice, they're like, oh, dude, that's not real. That's not oh, my. Don't even get me started. Don't get me started on people like that. That is, like, the bane of my existence. I've had so many talks with people that come to me and they're like, oh, why are you doing this? You should be doing this instead. What are you doing, you jackass? And I go and look at their history. It's like I have one game in pre-alpha stage. And it's like, dude, I have 49 games live on Steam right now. You want to come tell me how to do marketing? I mean, exactly. I don't mean to sound that douchey, but like, it's just people. A lot of people think they know what works, and mm. sometimes it's very counterintuitive what works. Sometimes like, you, know, you gotta drop the douche, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's if it makes me a douche, so be it. But like, I'm a douche in 49 games on Steam. You know, like yeah. we do. Um, like we've tried a bunch of different things. We've tried what seems intuitive. It didn't work. We tried what seemed totally ridiculously stupid, mm. and it works. So you know we. What we're doing, we've been here for a while. It's not that we're starting out. We're just kind of, you know, throwing a bunch of um, things out there and seeing what sticks. We've thrown everything out there. We've seen what stuck. What's yeah? What stuck? That grammar is good. We've seen what stuck. And um, was I right on that? What stuck? Right? Yeah. What's yeah. Stuck? What stuck? <laughs> what's, we've, seen, we've seen what stuck. Um, and we're now using that for your advantage. I mean, like we when when you succeed, we succeed. Like people think, oh, you know, you guys only want to make money and you want to, you know, be successful. It's like. Yeah, duh, we're profit sharing. Like, when we make money, you make more money. What are you talking about? Um, but anyway, yeah, that's what I, was, what I was talking about initially. If you, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go too over, but just kind of read quickly. Uh, WordPress great for blogging. As terms of marketing, um, a lot of people go to Tumblr and Pinterest. Uh, based on just kind of general analysis of all the social networks, Facebook has kind of an older crowd. Twitter has much younger of a crowd. Uh, Tumblr and Pinterest, a lot younger crowd and mostly women. So if your game kind of appeals to women, then definitely go for it. You're going to find a lot of attention there. But as most games do, if they appeal more to men, um, kind of you can be on there, but it's not going to be something you'd mainly target. Mm-hmm. One very little known site that a lot of people haven't even heard of, let alone heard of advertising opportunities on, is StumbleUpon.com. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yep. StumbleUpon.com brilliant website basically you put in a bunch of your interests and you hit stumble it shows you a website or a page that's to your liking or that might be to your liking then you go through it you either say i like this or i don't like this it learns from you and you can just hit stumble 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 and it'll show you random stuff that you'll like and it's a fantastic way to kind of well i mean just personally you know I, I used to use it all the time i used to sit there and say i like you know technology video games um cars whatever it may be It'll show me fantastic, you know, small auto blogs and big magazines, things like that. It'll show me the latest technology updates and blog posts, things like that. And what we actually did was we did a bunch of advertising tests with like paid campaigns and stumble upon. We invested like 
it was really small. We invested like ten dollars in the stumble upon advertising, and like nearly tripled our money that we made back from that alone. Because it's just such a personal way to connect with people. So very little known site, stumbleupon.com. Definitely check it out. Uh, I'm in. A, I'm in no way. You know, I'm not. Pay, I'm not getting paid to say this. This is just from our personal experience. I love using stumbleupon. Um, and then just be open. Like almost every other week, I get an email from somebody saying, "Hey, I'm opening a new network for gamers to connect." You know, there's an awesome one that's coming up, Resly.com, that we're working with. Um, really cool. It's basically LinkedIn for gamers, targeted at professional gamers hoping to get into esports. Awesome ways that people are coming up with to connect with people. Um, so definitely just you know get out there as much as you can. Find out what works for your game. Not everything is. It's easy to say, oh, you know, tell me what I should do, but it really does depend on a game-to-game basis. All right, cool. All of that has been really awesome, and I'm so excited about learning the demographics from each of the social networks, so thank you for that. That's actually a great tip that I didn't even think about before. I just said, oh, Facebook and Twitter, sure. Just, But now, <laughs> like, now I actually have a strategy, and I got that for free. <laughs> so We're all about free. We're all about free. You read our blog, you'll see that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I'm really excited about you guys being on this episode. I just want to say that I, I'm so impressed by your team, the caliber of individuals that you guys are, and I'm going to push as many like quality developers I can your way if ever you guys are looking for more talent. But because we have reached the end of the episode, and like I promised at the beginning, we're going to shut up. The audience is yours. If there's anything that you guys would like to promote, to push, or to talk about right now, you get complete silence and all the focus of our audience. And right. go. Nice. Do you guys mind if I take it real quick? Yeah, no problem. Awesome. So first thing I want to say before I plug anything is thank you guys so much for having us on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Definitely one of the most fun podcasts I've been on. God, some some podcast hosts are just very like, so tell me about your studio. It's like, oh, cool. Just talk yeah. to me. <laughs> but, um, no, but one thing I want to just say to your audience while I've got uh, your attention is just don't give up. I know it seems daunting. You're making a game. You're trying to follow your dreams. And it may seem impossible at times. But Daniel started off making Sanctuary RPG as a little coding project to supplement his class, and now there are more than half a million people that are playing his game. It's been on the Humble Store, it's been featured by PC Gamer, Rocky Bear Shotgun, Destructoid, Kotaku, you name it, we're there. We're all over the place with it, and we never dreamed that it would get this big when we were initially just doing it as a hobby thing. You'd be surprised what can happen when you actually put your heart and soul into it. So just please keep doing what you do. You're the reason I got into this, and thank you for that. Um, and now, you know, time for the, the corporate uh, mechanical bullshit that I do. Um, <laughs> follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash blackshellmedia. I am Raghav, twitter.com slash Zanasha. Daniel is twitter.com slash Daniel, And Thomas is uh, at GameDevThomas. Um, Facebook page, we're blackshellmedia LLC on Facebook. Uh, our blog is, I think, the number one place I'd send you guys. Our website is blackshellmedia.com, very straightforward. We have a lot of information on there, a lot of really good case studies. And actually, as soon as you go to our website, there's a brand new shiny explainer video that we had made um, that kind of goes over our company. It's fully animated. Um, definitely check it out. I'm, very, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I like it a lot. It kind of just goes over briefly what we do. So if you're at all interested in making a game or you have a game that you're making, please watch that video. And if it seems like we'd be a good fit for you, definitely check us out. If you don't want to work with somebody like us for whatever reason, I completely understand uh some of the people that i could very you know hardly recommend are novi pr and maverick pr and evolve pr very nice guys um but please come to us first at least give us a chance um (laughs) i'd love to you know hop in a skype call with you guys and learn about what you're doing uh what else uh twitter facebook 
Oh, yeah, our blog. So blackshellmedia.com forward slash blog. We have a blog. We post around five to seven times every week, depending on what kind of content's coming in. There's a team of writers led by Thomas and myself, but mainly Thomas. Um, we submit content. Everyone on the team also submits content. Uh, we have a team of writers that submit content. We have a team of interns that submit content. So what you're reading about in terms of game design, game development, um, graphics, UI, whatever it is, is coming straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. These are people that are studying this in college. These are people that are have worked on this for you know several years. These are people that are doing this for a living. And we're just sharing advice. We're sharing experiences that we have. I'm writing about everything from how to market your game to how to write a press release to how to be humble as an entrepreneur. You know, it's it's kind of a very, I at least use it, and I know Daniel does as well, and a lot of our team does, as kind of a very personal place to just, it's a blog at its heart. It's a blog. We're not trying to sell you anything on it. Um, you know, we mentioned that you can work with us, but the the focus of the blog is just to provide you guys with content. So please check it out, blackshellmedia.com forward slash blog. It's a full RSS feed running in WordPress, so you can use whatever reader you want to um, to check it out. We also have a podcast on there that's not nearly as polished as this one, um, but we post on there a couple times, um, maybe once a month or so with uh, an interview or some juicy content. Uh, yeah, just give our blog a read, and I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, my email address is ragav at blackshellmedia.com, but that's too difficult to spell. So just email contact at blackshellmedia.com, this, you know, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, contact at blackshellmedia.com. Drop us a line, we'll get in touch with you, hop on a call, and um, let's chat. You know, I'd love to meet all you guys. So thank you guys again for having us on the show. Um, really appreciate it. And would I be able to plug something as well? Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, perfect. No, no problem. Um, I guess one of the things is I also kind of want to, like... There are lots of games that we work with that we might not necessarily publish, but we might handle the marketing on, and they're just great games, right? So I do want to, like, draw... I could, you know, go on a list of all these games, like, hey, check this out. Like, we're working on it, and we think it's cool. But, like, personally, like, one of my whole... My hobbies and personal loves is, you know, giant robots, right? Uh, I love that kind of stuff. And, like, currently we're working with a developer who's making a game, uh, you know, a mecha game that's inspired uh, by... uh, Battle yeah, by Robotech and Battletech and just all of these old like great mecha you know shows or games. Uh, so I would definitely give them like a, a look, see just like as you know these great guys we've been working with. Uh, their game is called Antrax, A N T R A X X. Uh, so check it out. These guys they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of you know guts will desire right that's one of those things where you know i love the people we work with because it's it's a very rewarding job and one of these guys like these guys like it's it's a personal interest of mine but it's also one of those things where it's like i would love to see other people um you know give these guys some attention and like that's one of my games right now i would say hey please go and take a look at this uh i think you guys would love it because it has some really cool stuff going on uh and i guess that's just my three cents which is kind of related to what we're doing, but at the same time, kind of like a shout out to like, hey, you know, thanks to the people that, you know, give back to us. You know, here's some of their stuff that, you know, look at these guys too. Not just us, look at the guys who are also in your shoes, also trying to make games, and look at these guys for inspiration, uh, you know, and how we've been able to work with them. So, uh, yeah, that's me. How about you, Dan? Awesome. Um, yeah, um... It's a pleasure, you know, to, to, to have us on and, you know, just, uh, like, this is honestly, like, like Rob said, this is one of the best podcasts that, you know, we've, we've been on because, uh, you're going to you know, get your check like, later, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry you know, about it's just it. Like, like, like this, like awesome dynamic of, you know, just like, um, uh, uh, because I think it's like, um, uh, because both of you guys are like obviously in the game industry. So, so you can relate, um, 
uh, quite a bit to you know what what we're we're going through, and you know it's like you guys truly understand who we are. Amen, I love you man. too, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad. I'm the only one who's like you know pure plug. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> the love is implicit, don't worry. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. Plugs and all. We're Blackshell Media. Blackshellmedia.com has anything and everything you could possibly need to get in touch with us. So um, check it out, Blackshellmedia.com. Well, I hope you guys get overwhelmed with traffic now because I 100% Me too. am behind you guys. <laughs> yeah, you guys are amazing. Uh, very motivational. You know, like-minded people like Larry and I. Like, uh, it is really great to see you guys come together and. And, and see everything through like you guys are, deserve every little and big success that you get your way so thank you so much really really appreciate it, it really means a lot and we yeah, love talking to you guys thank you so much for you know doing what you do a lot of fun uh, and also you know to you guys any developers out there even if you don't want to work with us if you just want to say hi learn more about us talk about our stories please shoot us an email like a lot of the people that email us just want to kind of talk about a game or just want to you know share thoughts about the industry things like that we're always open to that we're not um, you know like I mentioned earlier we're not kind of money-hungry sharks that just want to bleed you dry. We want to connect with you, want to engage with you. And even if we don't end up working with you, heck, even if you're working with one of our competitors, I'm totally fine with that. You know, I'm, I'm chatting with guys at NoVPR and stuff all the time. We're all friends. Um, it's not a very cutthroat industry. Um, I mean, depending on whom you ask, it's not a very cutthroat industry. But the way we try to run our business is it's not very – it's not do or die. It's we're all friends. You work with somebody else. I don't care. You have a cool game. I'll promote your game. You know, it's – and like Thomas mentioned, you know, we like sharing, we like finding out cool games. We're gamers at heart. That's how we got into this. So, um, yeah, please, please reach out to us. I love talking to people. I talk way too much, as you can probably tell. So, please talk, start talking to me, but have a hard stop time. <laughs> Speaking of hard stop times, Larry Charles, I've got the mic, and I'm out. Good night, everybody. This is Brandon Fam. I'm out. Good to see ya. You guys can say goodbye. Oh, hey, <laughs> see you guys. This is Black Show Media, and we are out. I don't have, I don't have the cool voice. Sorry, I can't. That was pathetic. I'm sorry. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash gamedevunchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash gamedevunchained.